0: Hey, Mark with
1: Mueller Duck Calls. This is Rilo's Quack Chat. As a coal maker, I enjoy talking shop. With other duck call makers on this podcast, it's all about duck calls and duck hunting. From the marsh to the duck call shop, we're going to find the story behind the duck calls and the people that make them. This is Rilo's Quack Chat. Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Riley Henderson with Rilo's Quack Chat. Talking to all of you quack addicts out there. Oh man, it's been fantastic. Been looking at all the pictures on the waterfowl pages of all the harvests lately. But over here in Indiana it seems like it's slowed down a little bit. Um friend a friend of mine did shoot a nice group of mallards the other day, which was fantastic, but it seems like um the times I've gone out, they just there's a couple here and there. But it's, uh, yeah, it's that time of the year where the seasons are kicking in full swing. Uh, you're, and then, uh, especially with the call makers, I mean, the call makers are trying to get all those Christmas orders done and ready and shipped out, and I am in the middle of that, and it seems like every night I do that. Tonight, I was working on a banded call, which I hate banded calls, and to back up my hatred form, I sliced the living far out of my finger, but... Anyway, talking about calls, duck calls, all that good stuff. Today, uh the other day I kind of put out a um I don't know, you, you could say an SOS for any callmaker to uh uh come on because all the callmakers right right now are super busy with orders and uh I was like please anyone and man this guest really uh um contacted me and said hey i'd be interested in doing it and man i'm so honored to have mark Mueller on today mark how are you doing sir
0: hey riley doing pretty good thanks for having me on
1: oh man thank you so what is uh the weather like in pa right now didn't you say you live in a super small town in pa
0: yeah uh smallest city in the usa called parker pennsylvania um and, you know, it's it's been crazy weather. We've been going from 60-degree days down to 19-degree days. So it's your typical Pennsylvania weather, unfortunately. <laughs> it's It just can't make up its mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that, man. We don't call Indiana Schizophreniana for no reason. I mean, you just can't you know the weather's always crazy but yeah a friend of mine uh, George Kenedis the uh podcaster of um oh the new hunters guide he's actually from Pennsylvania oh cool yeah and um he he's what was the duck hunting like that down in or in Pennsylvania because i mean i get I mean, I see videos of people harvesting birds, and then I hear from George that like he really has to work for his birds.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm right with George there. It's uh, you definitely have to put the work in for the birds. Where I'm at in PA, <clears throat> I'm I'm a little bit south of where the fly zone would be up in Erie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the guys hammer them in Erie. They get they get anything from. Oh, they get a lot of diver ducks, a lot of puddle ducks. They get a lot of black ducks and pintails up there. And we we get some divers and puddles down here. We're mostly going to see mallards where I'm at on the river. Um, I saw a pintail one time, and that is my bucket list duck. We just don't get pintails very often here.
1: Mm. Do you, Do you ever see any black ducks or anything like that?
0: Yeah, occasionally we'll get a black duck coming through. Um, hmm. Not big groups of them or anything. We'll, I think the biggest group of black ducks I saw was eh, five or six ducks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, what? Um, h- how long have you been duck hunting, Mark?
0: Uh, let's see. 2012 would mm. have been my first year duck
1: hunting nice and
0: yeah i'm I'm kind of a first generation duck hunter nobody in my family did it before me Same so here. yeah i i took an interest to it and i i kind of got my brother on board with me and then we got my other brother on board with me and uh we'll we'll get out as much as we can but ultimately um yeah I kind of started the duck hunting trend in the family
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah i I know I know where you're coming from man I mean I'm first generation duck hunter in my family and um, uh, they don't get it yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's um i I think I think what shocks them is the duck hunting culture. Because yeah. there is nothing like the duck hunting culture.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, whenever I tell people about duck hunting, I tell them that it is worse than – I'm I'm, come September uh, or, I don't know, some states are later than that, um, when early teal season and all those seasons kick in, uh, I would like to see a drug addict get worse shakes than the duck hunter, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it, it's it's an addiction man and when so when did you, when you started duck hunting i mean when how long was it okay first of all, what was your first duck call?
0: Oh let's see my first duck call um so I had a guy who I'd been talking to about Turkey calls cause I'd mm-hmm. been making Turkey calls by that point. And, uh, I'd mentioned to him, I wanted to get into duck hunting and he had a bunch of old duck calls. Ooh. So, uh, my first duck call, I don't even know what it was, but it had a Louisiana style insert. Uh-huh. And, uh, i I really don't know who the call maker was you It didn't even have a name on it really um but that that was my first duck call, and that was a that was the first call I used to uh, decoy a mallard into my spread
1: <laughs> that's awesome
0: yeah it was it was pretty awesome
1: that was awesome so it w was it Was it a call from a call maker, or do you think maybe it was just an older call from an older call company, like maybe a uh, Fawkes or an Olds or a SureShot or Jensen or what?
0: Yeah, I would say one of them. He wasn't a duck call maker. He was strictly a turkey call maker, but he did a little duck hunting here and there, and he just had those calls all back when he was was in his 70s, Uh and he bought those calls back when he was in his teens. Hmm. So they they definitely seen some hunts. They were old and beat up but and they they didn't sound the best but they uh, they called the ducks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you still have that call? Unfortunately, I don't. Oh, no. What happened to it?
0: Uh, well, my wife and I bought a house and moved and in the moving process it got Lost. I have no idea where it's at. I know it's in a box somewhere, along with some other calls I have, but I cannot track it down for the life of me. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, it's sad.
1: Oh, that's so sad. Last year, I lost my lanyard in the marsh. I left it on the back of the truck. So there's a duck hunter somewhere walking around with a duck commander triple threat, a Tex Wurtz, resonating chamber goose call and one of my originals actually my original
0: original you know it's it's funny you mentioned that i don't know if you noticed on this year's waterfowl stamp there's a uh what is it a golden eye or the bluebills on the
1: bluebill yeah yeah
0: bluebills on the stamp do you notice like down in the left hand corner there's a lanyard of calls floating floating in the water
1: no i didn't notice that
0: yeah take a look at your duck stamp it's pretty
1: pretty sweet that's hilarious yeah yeah it's uh I hope that never happens again especially since I figured out how much that text works was worth oh my gosh yeah it um some of those calls man they they're just so pretty not to hunt them I mean they look so cool you do you have to hunt them but then once you figure out how much they're worth you're like oh what was I thinking
0: yeah, exactly.
1: So, what uh, so what what's your season looking like so far?
0: Uh, so far, we have two hen mallards. And that is it. Um I've got two small kids, so I don't get out as much as I'd like to, you know, between the family time and duck hunting, but I took my niece and nephew duck hunting for their first time. And uh, we were able to decoy in a couple of uh hens and they were able to get them. Mm-hmm. but so far uh that's it. it's been the migration's been really slow. We haven't had a lot of cold weather up north uh-huh. so we're just seeing a bunch of local groups who have kind of been shot at here and there and and they don't they don't want to decoy at all.
1: yeah, yeah it um. It's it's about the same here, man. It it just depends. I mean, you have to really be aggressive around here when you're trying to get your spots. Yeah. And I yep. mean, you if you have a feeling there's gonna be guys getting to your spot at four, you you better be there at two. Yeah. I mean now
0: the the first day of uh, early season around here, there's guys that will go out and throw their decoys and then just sleep in their canoe. No. It, it is that crazy for a spot in the early season around here. And I, I never would have guessed there was as many duck hunters around in this part of Pennsylvania as there uh-huh. are. I mean, the, the first year I duck hunted and saw how many other hunters there were, it, it blew my mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, I, I I may be wrong, but I think George said he's from s- around Scranton,
0: maybe? Okay, so that'd be uh, east of me.
1: Yeah, and, and he, he said there are no duck hunters around that area. Really? None. He said he still hasn't run into another duck hunter.
0: Boy, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. He he said he hear, he sees all these videos of people up north in Pennsylvania duck hunting like crazy but he's but mainly what he's been doing um he said he's been having to jump shoot mostly.
0: Yeah. Yep. So uh, oh, go ahead. Jump does go on here. It's a uh, a lot of times they just don't really fly. You know, a lot of times they're just meddling around in the uh, banks of the river and you got to go kick them off.
1: Yeah.
0: Funny story, the first duck I ever shot, I was 16 years old by myself and I was walking the river bank. I had no idea what I was doing. And I jumped this greenhead and he's flying out over, over the river and I shoot and I drop him, drop him. I'm like, oh, yeah. I first, duck. Well, I didn't have a dog, didn't have a canoe, and here this greenhead is dropped out in the river. I'm like, why'd I just do that? Because now he just floated down the river and I have no way to get him. <laughs> so it was really stupid on my end, but I, young and dumb, I had no idea what I was doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, George has the exact same story. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he, he said he had the opportunity, he shot, and then he was like, oh, right, my first duck, oh, there it goes down the river.
0: Yeah, there it went.
1: <laughs> so do you have a dog or a canoe now?
0: Yeah, I have a dog and a canoe.
1: Yeah. It, it seems like, I don't know, once you get into the culture, man, it's inevitable you will get a dog eventually. Yep. So how long have you uh, had the dog?
0: She is going on six years old in January, I believe.
1: Nice, nice. Is she English or uh, is she a Labrador?
0: Yeah, she's an English American cross.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So she she not real big like a uh, like an English lab is, but uh, she's kind of a nice medium size and has that kind of a boxy head like an English does. Yeah. Real good-looking dog.
1: Yeah, I've got uh, an English and two Americans. And man, that English—they are—they have uh, their own. They should be two different breeds, honestly. Yeah, yeah, they, they really should. I've talked to dog trainers and breeders, and they're like, they—they they need to make them a separate breed because the English, they just the mannerisms are so different. But, I mean, I can hunt my English in way colder water than my Americans. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yep. Because she's got that thick layer of just fat all over. Yep. She looks just like a giant otter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, Mark, when when did you start? Be- Let's just start at the beginning. When did you start making calls?
0: I started making turkey calls in 2000. Well, yeah, 2011 is when I started getting good at making turkey calls. Um, When I was a kid, probably nine years old, what got me into call making was my brothers were messing around with uh, pieces of glass and copper and metal, and they would glue them onto these pieces of wood, and then they would whittle with these strikers. And they'd scratch on these pieces of wood, and it so, kind of sounded like a turkey. And I, I thought that was the coolest thing, and that stuck with me to this day. I, I remember the first call they made, an ugly little thing on a scrap piece of wood. But I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And fast forward a few years to, yeah, 2011, I made my very first turkey call on a lathe, And it it was it kind of looked like a giant cereal bowl with a piece of glass over it. <laughs> but it, I used that call. I called a gobbler in with that call and uh, and shot him. So it did the job. And then in 2000, I believe it was yeah 2013, 12 or 13, I made my first duck call.
1: Nice. Nice. Now, was that a a flat jig, public tone board? How'd you make that?
0: That was a homemade wooden jig. Oh, you're kidding me. No, no. Uh, So I was still a kid, so I didn't have a lot of money to buy a a flat jig or a public jig. Honestly, I didn't even know such a thing existed. I was going off of what I, that guy that gentleman that had given me his calls, I was going off that. And so I made a wooden jig, honestly had no idea what I was doing and made this jig and then turned an insert down and cut it out on this jig. And that thing locked up so bad you couldn't get a peep out of it. So I'd I'd shape a little bit more on this wooden jig until I could get a, little squeak out of it and shape and shape and then eventually i'd get some sound out of it and it it wasn't till about 2000 uh four, 15, 2015 i think is when i bought my first jig
1: uh-huh
0: so i i had been making duck calls off of that wooden jig i had shaped uh up until 2015 wow that's awesome And I think I still have that jig in one of my boxes here.
1: That's cool. So do you put, (laughs) did you put blue painter's tape on it?
0: On the, no, uh, I would, I would just color it in with Sharpie. Oh, okay. And that way I knew I wasn't, you know, taking anything off of my jig when I uh, shaped the tone board.
1: Right. Right, that's wow. So you did calls for four you did duck calls for four years off of a wooden jig. Yeah. Now was that a J J Frames? Yes. Nice. Have you ever made any Louisiana's?
0: Uh I attempted it one time. Only attempted it one time and it was kind of a pain in the butt and I I really had no desire to try it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, once in a while you'll see on Call Nuts where some of these guys um, will say this is a Louisiana tone board. And some of those guys, they make these really nice calls, but they are devout Louisiana tone board guys. And man, ever since I made the J-frames, I was just like, eh, I don't know. Like, it just, they have a certain tone. And I like it. Certain people can make them sound amazing. But uh, I discovered how to make a Louisiana and a uh, reverse wedge real foot style this year. And um, I'm probably not going back to the J-frame next year. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. It... I don't know, man. It's it's. I started on a uh, Louisiana double read, and it's just I just love the tones on it. They just it will never. You'll never blow it in a calling contest, but you will blow. You'll call
0: ducks in with it for sure. Yeah, nice meat call.
1: Yeah, and with the guys in my area, I'm selling to Billy Joe and Bobby Bill. So I mean, uh, most of the guys around here can't blow a J frame.
0: Oh, yeah, yep.
1: So, it's and I didn't think of that when I started making calls and I was making J-frames. These guys have been hunting for eight years but using Louisianas. Um, it seems like if you have only blown a Louisiana tone board, you, you can't – getting that air presentation for a J-frame is kind of difficult.
0: Okay. Now, is a Louisiana tone board require less ear? Air to blow? Yeah. Okay. So it's easy to overblow the call. Yeah, and
1: since it's a... Since traditionally they're double read, they're... I don't know. They they just have their own tone. I, I mean, listen to... You listen to the episode with Dale Bordelon. That's what he's running is a Louisiana double read.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, and they have a very high-pitched... Very unique sound, but I'll tell you what, just, you know, some guys, they can make a J frame and it just works perfectly for them. And then there's some guys that are Louisiana guys, but right now I'm uh, delving into um, the real foot reverse wedge tone board. I'm really, I made one. I really, really like it. Yeah. Have you ever made one?
0: I have not. Nope. I only ever did the uh one Louisiana and then J Frames ever since. Really? Yep. Ha- haven't haven't explored too much. And I'm still I just sent away for my first uh custom jig. Uh-huh. For a uh tone board. I've been I've been making duck calls off of flat jigs ever since I bought that first one in two thousand fifteen.
1: Holy moly.
0: Yeah, it's uh just a few weeks ago actually I sent out for my first uh, custom jig
1: yeah Chris Adams he he is a uh, he he uh, calls himself the flat jig psychopath because <laughs> <laughs> he said you you have to be nothing less than a psychopath to want to use a flat jig all the time
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could agree with him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, are there times where you're, you're like happy with it and then you'll just really get a a good slope and you're like, holy moly, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Exactly.
1: And I'm guessing, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I, I just made one the other week and this call was, was beautiful. You know, great slope, great ducky sound to it and I thought this is the one I'm sending away and before I package it up I'm I'm thinking well I wonder if I just you know grind that slope down just a little oh, bit oh no, no 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 <laughs> you see where this is going no! I've been there oh man so what do I do I I start grinding it down just a little bit and I'm like oh yeah that's that's great now what if I just Open the of that exhaust just a little bit more. No, that did it. That that call now shatters like you wouldn't believe. And it's it's not a good thing.
1: Oh. Oh, man, that sucks. That's horrible.
0: Yep, yep. Sometimes it's better just to leave well enough alone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just I've I've done that so many times where it's like. And I, I've talked to so many call makers that tell me that when that little voice is like, you know what, you, go ahead and get your get go ahead and just get the file out and just like four more passes on the file. Just don't even listen to that little voice. That voice is
0: nuts. Run, turn the lights out in the call shop and run. <laughs> just, just stop.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I've I can't. Last year, I posted a video of a bucket full of bad J frame inserts. It's yeah. like when wh- when you're making a lot of them, I mean, you burn a lot of tone boards and barrels. Let me tell you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I was uh, I was doing a barrel before you called tonight, or before I called in. I was doing a barrel, just put the finish on it. I was twirling it in my hands, looking at it. I thought, "Oh yeah, that looks nice," and it just jumped right out of my hand, hit the concrete floor of my uh, of my shop, and just I had caps on the uh, on the front of the barrel and ebony cap, and it just cracked it. <laughs> <laughs> had to cut the cap off, and it's now like a two inch barrel, so it'll. It'll just be a mini call, that's all. Oh. But yeah. It's funny how often you you perfect your masterpiece and then just something stupid happens and it's it's gone.
1: Yeah. Yep. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. It's just Yeah, I I uh it's always good to have one of those rubber mats. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Have you need to get one of those, man. They are very handy.
0: Well, it, of course it would happen in the spot of the concrete that I don't have a rubber mat. The only (laughs) little sliver that's down there.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's another thing. Like I can't tell you how many times I've finished a call and I'm supposed to, the, the post office is going to be closed in an hour and you know, you get everything done, you put the CA on it, it's a mirror finish, it's beautiful, and then it slips mm. out of the hand, and you just dented the barrel. Oh, no, yeah. It's like, wh- why? 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, then you have to call the owner and go, uh oh, crap, I literally just dropped a call. No, but... uh then you have to call the owner and have that awkward conversation like, hey, um, it's going to ship tomorrow. Yeah. 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 So um, what was I going to say? Oh, so ha- have you been doing uh, – have you done a calling contest? Because I think you mentioned that in the show notes yeah. you sent me.
0: Yeah. No, I have, uh, I have not – gone to any calling contest? I've done some turkey calling contests in the past, Uh but uh, duck calling contests, never entered one of them. I was kind of waiting until I could uh, make a call worthy of running in a contest. I I really want to run one of my own in a contest, so I'm just waiting for that perfect uh, competition insert, Mm. and I, I just haven't found it yet.
1: Yeah, have you played with the uh, one size smaller than quarter inch that all those comp calls are made it made with?
0: you broke up a little bit. Say that again. Ha-
1: have you experimented with the um uh the uh instead of the quarter inch bore, it's the smaller bore that a lot of the comp calls are made with?
0: No, see, I didn't even realize there were comp calls with smaller than uh, quarter inch bores. I think they're what fifteen sixty fourths bores. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I uh, I didn't even know that until recently. So I I ordered a few fifteen sixty fourths drill bits, and then when they get here, I'll I'll definitely start exploring with them. See what happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this year I experimented with uh, bore bore size. And, man, I've been seeing a lot of the guys on Call Nuts to where they'll bore a smaller bore at the end of the tone board, but then halfway up the tone board will be quarter inch. Have you been seeing those too?
0: Yeah, I've seen those. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's it's just endless as to what you can do with these tone boards. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's there 's i I wish I knew the science to all of it but it's it 's really endless as to what you can do with the tone channel and then the exhaust and and the tone board itself it 's if If I knew the formulas and the science behind it all, you know you 'd be the world 's greatest callmaker
1: right right and you know i 've i 've seen i 've talked to some people about the tone board. And I think the only thing that's almost as mysterious and unpredictable as a woman is a duck J-frame tone board. <laughs> because you just, man, when you think you know what you're doing, you you find yourself calling one of your fellow callmakers going... I literally could. I've, I just did the exact same thing I did with three other tone boards that sounded great. And I don't know what I, I don't know why I did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really shatters your confidence.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, um, and that's why, uh, that's, that's why I kind of went to the Louisiana's because that, that J frame, I have thrown way too many J frames across my shop.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um what I mean, are you mainly a wood guy, acrylic guy? What what's your preference when you're turning calls?
0: I I prefer to turn wood, but uh-huh. I like acrylic when it's finished. Hmm. You know, acrylic takes just a little bit longer. You gotta be more careful with your cuts, but I I really like an acrylic call. I like the sound of a wood call. But I I guess you'd call me a little bit of 60 40, probably 60 wood and 40 acrylic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, I haven't turned acrylic yet.
0: It's uh yeah, if you've never turned it before, it it I ruined a barrel because my my tool grabbed it and it just shattered the acrylic. Really? Yeah, it's uh. You definitely have to. You can't be as aggressive with the wood.
1: Hmm. 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 Yeah. The. Uh, yeah. That. So, what? What species of wood do you mainly focus on when you're uh, turning duck calls?
0: Uh I like cocobolo. Yeah. But who doesn't? You know.
1: You know um, what's funny. What's that? Out of all the woods, that's the one wood I've yet to turn a duck hole out of. Oh, really? Yeah. Still haven't. Everyone's like, but that's like the duck call maker rite of passage, you know? It is. <laughs> so lots of walnut, lots of hedge have still yet to make a Coca-Cola call.
0: I, I like hedge. I've turned a few pieces of hedge, and it's... It's really nice. I have, you probably what are hedge and osage orange? They're the same thing, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that makes a pretty call.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, have hedge around that area in Pennsylvania?
0: Yeah, we have a we have quite a few osage orange trees, mm. and uh, anytime I see one cut down on the side of the road, I I try to get a few pieces of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Indiana is a walnut state, man, walnut yeah. and white oak. So I, that's, it seems like forever. That's all I was turning was walnut.
0: Yeah. That, that sounds a lot like Pennsylvania. We have a lot of walnut trees and white oak trees, a lot of red oak trees as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when, uh, <sighs> What was I going to say? So, what, what, um, what, what, what are the, what do you see in the future for uh, Mueller Duck Calls? I mean, do you have a website? Like, what, what's your plans right now?
0: Yeah. So, I, I don't. Well, I do have a website, but I don't have anything on it right now. And honestly, I'm not even sure if it's active. We just made that. Uh huh. Um, so, i I'd like to. I don't know about you, but I, I find it hard to stick to one style of barrel and insert. I'm trying to find that pattern. That's my pattern. Mm -hmm. And I think once I solidify that, I'd really like to start loading calls to the website. I'd like to get at least two more jigs made. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on growing the business, uh, and I mean, it'd be great if it could replace my income, but it, it could be years. But I don't really expect any less than five years before anything like that would happen. Uh, I'd Ultimately, I'd like to build that competition call and and take it all the way to the champion of champions and, and win with it. But that's, a, I mean, that's a long ways down the road. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, the, the guys that do duck call making full time, man, I feel I've got a lot of respect for them because recently um, I had to turn uh, my call business from a uh, hobby to an actual side business. Like, you know, it's that's what I'm doing now. So, um, and I, I just can't imagine the guys that do it full time. Like, it's really easy to get burned out.
0: Yeah. Um, I was at that point with uh, turkey calls. Mm. I was back on this website I used to be a part of. I was kind of a well-known call maker on there. And so I'd get quite a few turkey call orders a week. And with the full-time job and coming home in the evenings and, and having to fulfill those orders, you definitely got burned out. And that that's the one thing I don't want to happen you know you the the enjoyment of the hobby and making the duck calls to where you get burned out doing it yeah it's a it's a really tough line really tough to balance that yeah but i definitely agree with you with the full-time call makers have the most you know utmost respect for them oh yeah it's not easy
1: and it's not it's hard to be fun anymore Because when I started, call making was actually enjoyable. So I'm to the point now I'm having to find another hobby, and I found one, um, that I can use that as my kind of therapy (laughs) because of call making. But we were talking about – you were talking about uh, getting stuck to one design Uh, have, have you ever noticed how, like, once you get a design, you realize you put it up and then someone's like, that looks just like Mitch Rogers, or that looks like, uh, Sean Lentz calls or Josh Lynn's calls.
0: Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, (laughs) I, I have definitely, you, you get as a design you think is your own, and then you start looking around and you think, well, shoot, I mean, this looks exactly like this guy's. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's bound to happen with how many call makers there are, you know. As, as long as you're not copying them slope for slope and you know, cut for cut. Yeah, and it's it's hard not to. Yeah, did, did
1: have you, did you have a chance to see any of my calls?
0: Yeah, yeah, I took I was taking a look at them.
1: The um, yeah. So my theory is you're going to find this funny is. Um, I, I kept seeing those posts where everyone's like, your call looks just like so-and-so's and this one. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I don't make, want to make a fancy call. I want to make a field call, strictly a field call that's going to get beat up. I was like, I'm just going to make a tube. <laughs> and you know what? No one has copied me.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
1: No one, no one at all, got on there. Now I made one blue one, like a sapphire blue, and it had this really cool look. And uh, one person commented on call nuts, and he said, "You should call it the toilet bowl because it's toilet bowl blue." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. C- call nuts is it, you just know don't know what what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: because now do you watch call nuts at all or call lounge do you keep up with those guys
0: yeah in the call lounge yeah
1: yeah did uh did, did you see the uh whole um polishing reeds debacle that happened about six months ago
0: no i didn't see that
1: oh yeah it was it was between the goose call makers and uh it it was it was it was funny at first, and then it turned, like, very argumentative because, you know, you've got the guys that shave your reeds, but then you had, like, out of the blue, this new group of people that were claiming that they polished their reeds for Better tone.
0: Wait, am I, am I hearing you right? Like, polish? Yes. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yes, they polished the reeds.
0: That's that's interesting. I don't even know how you do that.
1: I know. And it, it was, it was just it. like I was saying, it's so funny watching some of these groups because you'll just have someone post something, uh, random like that. Um, yeah. Um, and then it'll just blow up out way out of proportion.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, uh, so, when, when you're um, duck hunting, I mean, are you designing, what What tone would you say your duck calls are? I mean, are they like, would you call them a timber call, open water call? I mean, what what's your style?
0: Yeah, uh, I'd call them a timber call. Around here, we don't have a lot of big open waters. Uh-huh. So, the majority of it's going to be small swamps and a small river and uh Medium-sized lakes, nothing real big. Yeah.
1: Do you ever have any uh, banded birds flying through those areas?
0: I have... Yeah, we do have them. Guys have shot them. Yeah. But I have never seen a banded bird uh, fly through here.
1: Yeah. I have yet to shoot a band, and I've been doing this for a
0: while. Yep. Still looking for my first.
1: It's... uh, You know what's funny? I start hunting with a group uh the this year and i told him like straight up i said listen just so it doesn't get weird if i do shoot a banded bird i will cry like a little girl (laughs) they're like what's a banded bird and why would you cry it's like oh you have no idea
0: you have no idea (laughs) no idea
1: Especially because, I don't know, it seems like some of those states, like Illinois and some of them, they just, the band of birds just flock in that area.
0: Yeah, you see these guys with lanyards nothing but bands. Yeah. You know, they're they're wearing a five-pound lanyard of bands.
1: Yeah, they look like a voodoo shaman with that big old thing around their neck. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I don't even have one.
1: Yeah, uh, that's all I want is one or two, you know. And it, um, I don't know the the guys, but I, it's I don't know. It's it's really, I've got mixed feelings about it because it's like, man, once you get a band, you become that banded guy. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's um, I don't know. I I have a theory. I have, it, I've talked to guys that. They won't see any banded birds. Then they'll have a whole flock come in, and they're all banded.
0: Yeah, that that happens a lot with the geese around here. Yeah, in the uh, in the parks, I see a ton of uh, double banded geese. Mm-hmm. And it's. I think they're more common around here.
1: Yeah, I have a theory about that. About the uh, geese flying oh, in yeah. flocks like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. My theory is uh that geese see a goose with a band and they're like, Man, that goose is on probation. He's no good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's it's, he's
1: on house arrest.
0: That's a solid theory.
1: <laughs> those those are the rough geese. Uh rough crowd. Yeah, the rough crowd of geese. Um Yeah, but uh so, uh, Mark, how, how can people find your, uh, duck calls?
0: Um, basically when I post them or if they see them on my Instagram, my Instagram's Mark JM 15, uh, if they see them on there or my Facebook or the, uh, call lounge is how they can find me right now. Nice. Nice. Now, do you make to
1: order or just when you throw a call up, they better just scramble for it?
0: Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, mostly make to order.
1: Yeah. Do you uh, have Have you uh, messed with any of that dyed yet? No. I have not. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to mess with it anytime soon. Since what a blank costs like two hundred bucks.
0: Yeah. Until uh, I get a little more established and you know get my sound where I want it probably won't mess with one anytime soon either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, some of that stuff, man, those those guys, they just, it, it seems like every every couple months someone's raising the bar and you're like, oh, that's okay, that's cool, and then they raise it again, then they raise it again. And some guy's making a lighthouse call and then some guy's making a cannon call and it just keeps on going.
0: Yeah, yeah. Boy, there are some neat calls out there the There I mean, are calls I would never hunt with. I'd have to put them in a display case because they're way too nice to go dropping in the water.
1: Yeah, have you done any call trades yet? I've done a few. yeah. yeah, yeah it's um i I really like that like that is a part of the call making culture I'm really getting into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I really agree. I enjoy it. It's, it's definitely a way for call makers to, you know, collect other people's calls and, you know, exchange. Yeah. Exchange their calls with each other. I, I really like that.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's amazing how different each maker's calls is. You wouldn't think so. Yeah. But I mean, they are so unique and, uh, they just have their own tone and their own style and it's just, it's so cool to have a piece of that, of, uh, yeah. all those call makers. So Mark, at the end of every episode, I usually ask three questions. Are you ready for them?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: All right. So if you could go back to one hunt and do it all over again, what would it be?
0: Oh, that is hands down. My brother and I in two thousand seventeen. Uh we went out to this Kale a lake called Kale Lake mm-hmm. on uh Thanksgiving morning. And we shot our limit of canvasbacks, bluebills, redheads, mallards, and then we went back the next day and did it all over again, both days, and we limited out by eight thirty in the morning.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean that was hands down the best hunt I was ever on. So you see a lot of canvas backs? No, that was the cool part. That was the first time I'd ever seen canvas backs down this way.
1: Wow. Well yeah, that's that's my white whale. I want a canvas back drake so bad. Yeah. And we got we got a
0: hen and a uh, and a uh, nice Drake.
1: That's awesome. All right. So the second question: If you could hunt in a blind with three people, um, I'm talking legends, old call makers, friends, family, who would it be?
0: Oh man, that is that is definitely a loaded question, tricky question, there, huh? Ah. Uh, I think it'd be pretty... I'm not going to lie. It'd be sweet to hunt with the Robertson boys. Uh-huh. I feel like that would be a blast.
1: Who's your favorite?
0: Oh, it's got to be Jace.
1: Yeah, same here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be a, a blast. Um, I think it'd be fun to go with John Stevens. Mm-hmm. And... Uh,
1: Boy, that's that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's... uh, you you can't make up that third one, can you?
0: I I really can't. I'm
1: really? trying to think,
0: but
1: you're going to leave. You're not even going to mention a family member. That's sad.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Okay, let's throw this one out here. My good buddy Alex Sybert. I love duck hunting with him. We always do good when we go together.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now I have a question for you, Mark. I've noticed that there are so there's like a couple of groups I hunt with, and there's always the group that if you're like, "Hey, you want to go hunting?" They're like, "Nah, I'm going to stay in today." And you're like, "Why? Why? All the weather conditions are right." You go out and just, you don't see anything. (laughs) And then they will go without you and they'll be sending you pictures of their limits.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Like, and they will hunt the exact same holes, the exact same areas, the exact same spread, same conditions, just different days. I I just think they, my theory is I think they're tuned into the uh, barometric pressure way better than the other guys.
0: Yeah, that's the only explanation.
1: Or just lucky.
0: I mean, that's probably realistic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so for the third question, if you could stand behind the the over-the-shoulder of a callmaker, present, past, still alive, deceased, who would be?
0: I really think it'd be cool to watch Josh Raggio make a call. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, in that trailer.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'll tell you what, though. I'll I'll tell you who's really coming on the radar, and he's kind of a um, kind of learned from Raggio is Brad Eldridge.
0: Yeah, I did see that. Isn't that something?
1: Yeah. Have you seen his new shop and his store? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, you got to look up the pictures. They, um, he decided to go full time and they started a store and they have a window to where you can watch him turn a duck call. And he put his uh, uh, duck call shop in there. Really? Oh yeah. It looks so pro. It looks, it is just as cool as, I would say it's as cool. So it's almost as it's going to be as cool looking as um oh man. What is it? Stuckard. Um the R and T shop.
0: Oh yeah. Yep. It,
1: it looks really, really cool. He's got his his emblem for his uh Parish uh waterfowl company is huge. It's like eight foot tall. Oh, it's it's super cool looking.
0: So that's that's Brett and Josh doing that?
1: No, 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 no. That's Brad Eldridge. Brad is kind of—I don't know if you'd call him a protege of Raggio. I mean, he learned a couple things from Raggio, and he's close to Raggio. But Ra- I think—I think I may be wrong. But Brad Eldridge is more in Louisiana, and Raggio is in Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. But I know Raggio has his own shop, and then he has the trailer that he travels around with.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, but Brad, Brad Eldridge, man, he's 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 getting up there too. He's he's um really a he's he's uh, on the radar right now.
0: Yeah. Have you seen he, his
1: calls or heard him?
0: I've never. I saw um, I saw that he was in Raggio's shop. I didn't real. I just thought he was paying him a visit or something, and and Josh or made him a call, but I didn't realize he was starting his own call company.
1: Uh oh, uh, Brad Eldridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad, Brad's calls they they're so unique, man. I mean, they um. And I have Brad on the podcast, and he was we, Rajia was brought up, and I said, "Well, has anyone said any of your calls look like someone's?" He's like kind of like raggio's it's like okay but no the bottoms are like really round like egg-shaped very very cool looking very antiquey
0: yeah yeah i'll definitely check those out
1: oh yeah oh yeah well mark man thank you so much for calling in this evening man i really appreciate it um yeah I, yeah, I really appreciate you calling in and talking. And man, you know, like Pennsylvania, you know, it, it's just
0: one of those states you don't think waterfowl. And for good reason, it's just <laughs> uh, I I'd say Pennsylvania doesn't have a lot of rich waterfowl history. But I I mean, there might be others that that prove me wrong. Yeah. But it's uh yeah, it's definitely not one you think waterfowl, and it's it's tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's same here, same as Indiana. Well, Mark, man, thank you so much for calling in. If you don't mind, uh, stay on the line while I uh, close her out real quick. All right, thank you. All right, so that was Mark Mueller of Mueller Duck Calls. If you get a chance, look him up on Facebook. Um, he's got some pretty cool calls, and he's doing the flag jig. So you know he's going to have that custom sound. I mean – there's nothing like a call off of a tone board off of a flat jig. I mean, it's, it's going to, you aren't going to, not every one of them is going to sound exactly the same and you get a really custom. I mean, if you want custom, that's going to be custom. So if you are interested in a, um, a Mueller duck call, get with Mark. So also before I, uh, clock out of here, um, Make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast and make sure to give it a five-star rating. And even if you just put in there duck or duck calls or whatever in the little writing area, make sure that uh, you put something there because it helps people find the podcast uh, better. And um, yeah, and also if you want to, of course, please check out the guest calls first. But if you want to support this uh, Podcast. Go to RiloGameCalls dot com and check out the stuff there, and that helps support. But like I said, go to the guest stuff. Check out their stuff first, um, and make sure to buy that stuff. Uh, so yeah. So till next time, this is Riley Hend- Hendrickson with Rilo's Quack Chat. <laughs>